Father, I love you, and I thank you that you move hearts. God, I thank you that you already know what you want to do before we conjure up a plan. God, I thank you that you're ahead of us. In Jesus' name, amen, and amen, and amen. So, Michael, um, actually, I'm going to give you three new passages, right? Pull up Colossians 3.13. Colossians 3.13. I'm going to need my Bible for this one. I mean, I need my Bible for all of it, but just wanted to clarify that. As he, okay. Number 13. Verse 13, make allowances for each other's faults. Uh, Make allowances for each other's kids as well. I know it's in the scripture, but it does mean that too. Because it is easy for us to parent other people's kids. It's easy for parents to parent other people's kids. (laughs) Make allowances for each other's faults. I think that's such a powerful phrase because we make allowances for our own fault far greater than we do for other people's faults. It's so much easier to make allowances for our own faults. And forgive anyone who offends you. Imagine if we just did that. How many people have ever been offended? Just raise your hand. If you've been offended more than once, raise both hands. And if you've been offended more than two times, do a hokey pokey and shake it all off. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. I think this gives us permission to understand that there will be people who will, the who we can blame for things. God does not put us into a utopian kind of a world where once we are his, nothing then touches us. We're not impacted by anyone's words, phrases, or looks. He says, no, as you're walking, I need you to begin to do something different than you did before. Before, you did not make allowance for other people's faults. Before, you did not forgive other people's offenses, but you carried those offenses. And you allowed that offense to be a foundation that builds on, that builds on and builds on because there's never gonna be only one person that offends you and me. There's always gonna be multiple and sometimes they all happen on Sunday. Soon as you see the person, you're offended. The question is why? Why are you offended just by looking at them? Remember the Lord forgave you so you must forgive others. Now, this is the heart of what God started this morning. We have to be reminded that we have been forgiven. Forgiveness operates at the level that we understand how much we have been forgiven. Not just when we said, God saved me and he's forgiven me, but ever since then. How many times has the Lord forgiven you ever since that day that you've given your life to Jesus? Some of you are so hypocritical that you're planning to ask God 
for forgiveness tomorrow morning because of the things that you need to finish up tonight. You have pre-planned your repentance. I wish this was just with, you know, lay people. But preachers actually have the audacity to say that from stage. Doesn't matter what I do, as long as I ask God to forgive me, I can sleep at night. Ephesians, another one, Michael, this is Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 and 32, verses uh, 31 and 32. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1, uh, verse 31 and 32. Now, when you don't forgive, you get these things that Ephesians lists bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, slander, as well as meaning this is just to get you started. All types of, the Bible calls it evil behavior. We call it justified behavior. Scripture calls it evil behavior. What comes to mind when you think of evil? Your spouse? Please no. When we think of evil, in a lot of our minds, Hitler. <laughs> Hitler is like this person because of what he did. We, we go to that. And a lot of times we compare ourselves to a Hitler type. I did not kill anybody. But put, put the, picture back, the scripture back. Get rid of all your bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, slander, as well as all types of evil behaviors. And it says, instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as Christ, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. This is an easy thing to know. It's an easy thing to read. It's even easier to tell others to do. But when you are put in a position when you are put in a situation where you realize you have not forgiven someone it requires you to do a self-check and those self-checks could be super dangerous because we don't want to think about the places and the areas where we are at fault if you knew that you were at fault you wouldn't even even it would, the, the whole forgiveness wouldn't even be a conversation in your minds but, but the fact that we feel like we have, the fact that we feel like we're justified to hold on to something like that means that it's, we, we have concluded that it's not our fault. But unforgiveness does, it leads into bitterness and a hard heart. Could be towards one another, but far worse, it could be towards God. And God didn't heal my marriage. God did not provide the finances. God allowed someone that I know, someone that I love, to die. God didn't prevent the things that have happened in your life that you don't want to talk about. God could have prevented it, but he didn't. You went to church, you, you've, you've praised God, you opened up your heart, and then someone crushed your heart that was exposed and then you begin to carry that wherever you and I go. And so we can't then worship God purely. 
if we surrender this, it's gonna hurt. And we may not be ready to do that. I think one of the cringiest, not even cringiest, the most, one of the most confronting passages in scripture is in the Lord's Prayer where, where um, you know, people's faults, it's okay. Um, when it says that it, unless you forgive others, God won't forgive you. That's such a hard statement because now you are confronted. You are now responsible to be like, God, am I holding a grudge against someone? Am I holding unforgiveness? Right? Am I holding unforgiveness towards someone right now? Because once you acknowledge that you may be or that you are, you are now responsible to do what with? We can't just acknowledge that we have that. Now it's an invitation to say, what are you going to do about it? I think a lot of times we hold, on, we hold on to unforgiveness is because we do feel like we are justified. We do feel like if you understand what people did to me, you would understand why I'm holding on to this. Like we become the, um, the exception to the rule. We become the exception to the rule. I think one of the most powerful scriptures on forgiveness, quite frankly, is found in Luke chapter 23. And this will be the last passage, Michael. So good job. Thank you, Michael. In the back, running after me. Luke chapter 23, verse 33 and 34. When they came to a place called the skull, They nailed him to the cross. And the criminals were also crucified. One on Jesus' left and one on his right. And verse 34 is the kicker. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they are doing. Father, Forgive them, for they don't know what they are doing. Have you ever thought about what it took for Jesus to say those words? I think we can dismiss those words in Jesus' mouth because he's Jesus. What else would he do? What else would he do? He came to forgive sin, so why wouldn't he do it here? But there's a passage earlier that says that he was talking to someone and he said, listen, don't you know that I can call down legions of angels to fight for me? Think about that. Jesus actually had the option to destroy the world in that moment if he chose to do so. It's one thing where we don't have a choice but to like forgive, but it's another thing that you can say, do I choose revenge or forgiveness? And how many times do we often choose revenge? I find it also interesting that Jesus didn't say, I forgive them. but he's asking the father to forgive them. Why? 
why is he asking the father to forgive the people who are wronging him? Hmm. Maybe this is what forgiveness is. Maybe, maybe there's a key here on forgiveness. And before I tell you what I think it is, I want to actually talk about a few things in regards to forgiveness, some practical things, okay? Forgiveness is really not about the other person. Forgiveness is not about the person who has wronged you. It's actually about you and your healing. So Jesus is not saying forgive them so that they can be forgiven. He's saying forgive them so that you can be healed. When you forgive someone, you are releasing yourself from anger, bitterness, resentment. And when you don't carry anger, bitterment, resentment, then you are positioned to experience peace, joy, righteousness. Second thing is forgiveness is not condoning the other person's actions or pretending that they didn't hurt you. Jesus was not like, hey, Father, just to mind them. Let's pretend this is not happening. No, he acknowledges that what they're doing isn't just. He's acknowledging that actually what they're doing, they don't even comprehend what they're doing on any level. Meaning one is that they're committing an injustice. They're crucifying a just man. Second thing, they're not, they're not seeing the bigger, grander picture of what they're a part of. Sometimes we think that we cannot forgive because we cannot forget. You don't have to forget in order for you to forgive. Sometimes we hear these phrases where they sound cute, but they're just a lie. And so we're like, I want to forgive, but I cannot forget, so I cannot forgive. No, no. You can actually forgive and not forget. Because the truth is that you won't forget. That's the reality. The reality is that you won't forget. The question is not trying to forget it. The question is to how do you deal with the thing that has happened without getting bitter and angry? What is our response to the thing that happened? If, and this is a, a little sign that if you... To, to figure out whether you've forgiven or not and, and where that's it is that if that thing comes up, do you get angry and bitter? Can you talk about the past mistakes without getting angry and bitter? Because if you are, if, if those things still hold you, that means that you have not forgiven them. If someone walks in the room and they have harmed you and you just curl up, that means that you're still holding unforgiveness. That's a huge indicator. This is why those who are free can talk about their past. Those who are free can talk about their own mistakes, their own sin. Those who are free can talk about how other people have sinned against them without them holding the other person in a cage. 
or at least thinking that that's what they're doing. Um, sometimes we're waiting for the person to apologize, thinking that our forgiveness is a response to their apology. And if you're doing that, that means that you're waiting on the other person. That means that your person is holding the keys to your freedom. So you're thinking that, that, that you have this say in their life, but in reality, they're actually even holding you more hostage than before. You basically said, you've imprisoned me. Here is the key. Here's the key. And when you ask me to forgive you, that's when you'll give me the key for me to unlock my prison doors. Sometimes people who have hurt us really bad cannot or will not ask us to forgive them. Sometimes they're dead. And then we begin to believe a lie, like, wow, they're dead. That's it. I'm ruined. I can never be free. Because they are unable to. That's one thing, but it's even worse if they choose not to. Because every time they choose not to ask for you to forgive them, it, you get into a darker and darker place. And when you are in the dark place, that becomes your filter that you respond to everything with. All right? All of a sudden, someone just does a, a, a simple thing and you overreact. You lash out at them. And it, could, it doesn't even have to be like a bad thing. How many times someone annoyed you and you overreacted? And you're like, why am I overreacting? It's because it has nothing to do with annoyance. It has to do with your bondage. This is convicting because you realize that when you hold on to unforgiveness, you're choosing to remain in prison. Forgiveness is also a process. I think this is super freeing because a lot of times we think that when we forgive someone, it's something that we say once and for all, and then we fake it until we make it. And that's living a lie. We have to understand that forgiving someone is a process. But the process of what? Until you feel like you've forgiven them? No, it's the process. And this should free you. It has freed me. It's the process to know that every day, forgiveness is not a feeling, but it's a choice. So the process is waking up every day and saying, I forgive them. 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 Isn't that freeing? To know that it's not a one-time prayer. It's not a one-time decision. Sometimes you'll be saying, I forgive them for six months. Sometimes you'll say it once and you'll be like, that's it. I'm free. But if we don't understand it's a process, then we can over-spiritualize this. And it's not an over-spiritualization. It is as simple, as simple as utilizing the gift that God gave all humanity, and that is the gift to be a free agent, the gift of being able to make choices and decisions and not being bound to someone else, not being reactive to your neighbor, to your spouse, to your kids, and dare I say, to your pastor or speaker or boss 
We cannot give people that much power over our lives. You have to understand that you are choosing to submit yourself to someone else's grace and mercy. That's a hard life to live. And if we do this, we will never walk in freedom because we will never walk in forgiveness. So forgiveness does not eliminate the wrong. It doesn't diminish the the wrong. It doesn't put your response and your ability to forgive on another person. So you don't have to wait for the other person. There's not a right or a wrong way to even forgive. That's the thing with the process. For someone, it'll be one way. For another person, it's going to be another way. So don't confine yourself on how you do it. Just confine and latch on to, your, to the thing that says, I must forgive no matter what it takes, no matter how long it takes. It's a decision. You do not need to have a relationship with a person who has hurt you. Sometimes we feel like if I forgive them, then I have to trust them how I trusted them before. That means that my relationship with them is going to be automatic to where it was before they committed this atrocity. No, you can forgive the person, love them, and they can be locked up for life. You can forgive the person and never, ever have to see or speak to them ever again. The question is, if you did, what would it bring up? Because if the person that you're holding on forgiveness for, you know, for, uh, for, what if they show up to this church? And you're like, oh, no, got to find myself another church. <laughs> got to find myself. I even had people say, look, this person's coming. Um, yeah, there has to be a choice. Either they're here or I'm here. I'm like, yeah, yeah, sure, okay. That's where we're at. You do not need to have a relationship with the person who has hurt you in order to forgive them. You definitely can forgive them from a distance. Um, another thing is forgiving yourself is just as important as forgiving the other person. Because when someone hurts you, before you begin to blame them, you begin to blame yourself. How could I be so foolish? How could I be so dumb? How could I not see this coming? How, how come I went back to the cycle over and over and over again? You have to be able to release yourself to say, you know, I didn't see it. I didn't know. You have to release yourself. And and I'll tell you why here in in the end when it talks about Jesus, how he was asking the Father to forgive them. He wasn't saying, I forgive you. I think that's a great distinction because of what forgiveness is. Forgiveness is not something that you and I just feel better about and we just obey and say the words. Forgiveness is actually an action step. It's when you say, I forgive you, there is an action step. It's not just verbiage that says, I forgive you because I choose to. But your decision is not to just say, I forgive them. Your decision actually is saying, God, you take it. It is you and me releasing this pain and this hurt to the Lord. Because if we carry it, we are going to want revenge. And when you talk about wanting revenge, there is not a, a grid where you say, hey, his suffering, her suffering, 
that's enough. You're going to always want to see them suffer more than you've suffered. And if you then seek to, be, to have revenge, then you're taking God's ability to have justice on them away from him. And then also then God's going to talk to you about your mercilessness. With my kids, and if you have kids, it's the same old story. They will hit each other, and then both of them are coming to you. Whoever gets to you first, they hit me. And so the parent's first reaction is like, hey, come over here. Why did you hit you? Well, they hit me first. You said, now you have two people hitting each other. And I'm like, I'm like, listen, why don't you just, one of you don't hit the other person, and the person who hits you will be in trouble, and you won't. But now that you both hit each other, now you're both in trouble. <laughs> it's a simple thing. So the Lord is saying, don't create a parallel universe in your mind of how you're going to retaliate. Instead, surrender it to the Lord and trust his justice, sovereignty, um, tr- trust his judgment so that when he has vengeance on people because of judgment you know it will be just this is a releasing a releasing of this thing to the lord because when you don't you begin to get angry and this is when you begin to get angry and when you ang- when you're angry you tend to sin because you want to control the situation you want to make sure that you see the punishment and that it satisfies your lust for vengeance and revenge And God is saying, no, vengeance is not for my people. Vengeance is not for my people. If you give it to him, vengeance belongs to the Lord. Vengeance belongs to the Lord. And so forgiveness is basically taking the step of saying, I'm going to give what I cannot control to the Lord. (laughs) That's really what it is. It's a decision where you cannot control the situation. You cannot control how a person gets punished. And you're saying, I'm going to give it to the Lord. So with Jesus, he released whatever he was carrying at that moment to say, Father, you forgive him. You forgive him. Hmm. So obviously the Lord is wanting to do something here and he's already begun to do something here in light of this topic of forgiveness and unforgiveness. And I was too afraid to tell you what's happening here. And that is because, you know, when we pray about what God is wanting to do here, right? We get words and we get things that God is wanting to highlight. So I was approached right before we started to say, hey, by the way, there seems to be a thing that God is doing on forgiveness. Don't change your message. Don't do anything. Just wanted to let you know if God's leading or whatever. Um, I said, sure, great, no problem. And I'm like, okay, God, I think I can probably work that in to what I was talking about. And God laughed at that. And he's like, no, we're actually going to talk about unforgiveness and forgiveness. You're going to scratch your message, push it to next week. So these were my notes from the last five minutes of preparation for this morning, but, but what I told you is truth. <laughs> I guarantee it's truth. And here, and here's, and here's what, this is actually the same exact topic 
is what we talked about in discipleship this week. This was a conversation in discipleship this week. So for me, it wasn't—it was a no-brainer. It was like, of course, the Lord. But I just wanted to insert this into what He, what He's preparing for me to speak on. But, he, but you know, like with everything that we're doing, we're relying on God to lead us because we don't see all of it. We don't know what He's wanting to do. And when we talk about we submit to what God is doing in this house, this is what it looks like. This is what it looks like. Say, God, if you're doing something, I want to submit to that. I just don't want to plow my own way. What I would have preached, what I prepared would have been truth and you would have been blessed. You better have been blessed. Um, (laughs) Okay, anyways. So it's not that God wouldn't use what we've prepared, but God is after us being led by him. And so it's easy to say, God, lead me. But then when he leads you to release that thing and give it over to God, that's when the struggle begins because we want to hold on because we think we have control of this thing and we know best. And God's like, trust it with me. Trust it with me. So I had a whole thing planned and whatever we plan to do, whoever knows stuff in the behind the scenes, we're not going to do that, obviously. So as um, as we end, I just want us to sit with this thought, with this topic and And this morning, I just want you to really ask the Lord to search your heart. Sometimes our hearts are so hard, we don't even know that that's why they are so hard. We thought we've forgiven. We thought we are free. And maybe God wants to remind you and I to say, no, you actually are not, but you can be. So I'd love for everyone to just close your eyes and I want the Lord to minister to you. And I know he has as we worshiped him and I'm praying he has through what was spoken today. But right now, just ask the Lord. I ask the Lord, say, God, what are you telling me? What are you telling me? For some of you, maybe it's been, you've been holding on to something for years. Maybe for others, something just happened weeks ago and it's still fresh and where it had not got a chance to harden this is a great opportunity for you to release it to God before it hardens your heart so as you just bow your head you just ask the Lord Lord what are you telling me what are you telling me I'm going to pray, but you just continue to ask the Lord. I'm going to just pray over you and over this. But we're going to have this moment with the Lord because it is vital that he speaks to us. So, Father, we are just exposed before you this morning, God. God, we are exposed. God, we ask that you search us. God, that you light up all of our dark corners. God, all those rooms where we've locked the door and threw away the key, God, I pray that you break down those doors, expose those things in our lives that you want to deal with. Let this be the, let this be the morning that we find freedom. Just ask of the Lord to speak to you. Ask him to speak to you.
And if you have a journal, if you have a notebook, you can feel free to just open that up and write it down. If God is, is, is bringing scripture to mind, go ahead, open up your Bibles, open up your phones, find the scripture, read, respond if he's talking to you, if he's asking you, if he's telling you.